Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mixed Up with Mary and Monty. I am Monty. And I am Mary. Mary, how are you today? I'm okay. I'm much better now that I'm here. That's great. That's great. It's a Sunday morning, and uh, today is like Christmas for me. Why? Christmas, because today is the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. How many of the Oscar movies have you seen? Uh, this year, I don't... I think I saw Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. Great um, movie. I haven't seen... Boyhood or Birdman. Those okay. are the ones I really want to see, and I feel like those are going to be the the biggies tonight. Those two are going to be battling out. I don't think anybody else holds a holds a flame yeah. to uh, those other movies, but um, I'm taking Boyhood. Yeah. This movie I'll take for the, uh, the winner this year. Um, I've seen all of them, every single one of them, and they're all really ph- phenomenal movies. There's not really You've one seen that I... every level of every film nominated? Every one. Documentary, mm-hmm. every level. Every documentary, every foreign film, every performance, every wow. best picture. That's the only life. ones I haven't seen are shorts. Oh. There's only maybe two or three, but usually they, they used to put them out beforehand, like mm-hmm. on YouTube or Vimeo. They used to put them out and you'd yeah, be able to watch them beforehand. But they don't do that anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're all they're all pretty phenomenal movies. How do you feel about this year in general? I uh, I think I think everything this year has been really good. Yeah. I have I've had more five star reviews this year than I've had any other year. That's awesome. Yep. And more. for those of you that don't know, Monty is a huge film person. By the by the end, you will know this very well. Oh yeah. This and is, if you uh, don't already know Monty, <laughs> this is part of Monty's life. And he a f- film critic does reviews, watches everything. Oh, it's never ending for me. Film is uh is second nature to me almost. Um. So we got Boyhood, we got Birdman, we got Under the Skin, Selma, Whiplash, Nightcrawler, Snowpiercer. Those are just seven of the ones that I name right off the head that I think were phenomenal movies this year. But there are so many more. Uh, music uh, played such a big lead. Um, it can play the lead or it can play the supporting role in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a crucial element because it's a language everyone can understand. And I think uh, with film... If you put the the perfect song in there, it can make all the difference. How many movies have we seen where the perfect song just changes the whole dynamic of the movie? Like, can you can you think of uh, Dirty Dancing without I've had no. the time of my life? No, right? Not at all. Uh, can you think of uh, Let's see, what's another one? Any John Hughes movie? Right. Yeah. Tons of John iconic Hughes, song and songs in there. Cameron Crowe. Yep. Cameron Quentin Crow. Tarantino. I mm-hmm. mean, what would what would their films be without? popular music even you know it, it establishes scores are a whole different thing yes like the scores make us feel a certain way but we're talking about you know contemporary popular song Definitely. within film i uh, i tell people that it, it brings an emotion that sometimes a composition can't evoke uh even mm-hmm. though it's that's what really the composition is trying for it's trying to evoke these emotions but sometimes the perfect song can really hit on that note and really change the whole dynamic of the film and I also say it brings a rhythm to the movements in the performances and also the movements in the script. Um, mm-hmm. They always talk about, like, I always think about uh, Jackie Chan, for instance. This is kind of a little far off with music, but Jackie Chan says that he composes his choreographies to a rhythm, almost mm-hmm. a musical rhythm. Like, there's a there's a certain pace that he does with all of them, and they, they build, they build, they build, they build until this grand finale. And I think uh, with certain songs... And as well as compositions, it plays that same role. Um, but one of my favorite films this year was Whiplash. Yeah. And Whiplash is in about an, <clears throat> an obsessive uh, jazz drummer at a uh, a jazz school who gets a instructor who's 
really abusive towards him. Yeah. And the abuse is meant to bring out the best in him is the way the teacher kind of looks at it. But the big struggle with that movie is, is it for that purpose or is it because he's just being a jerk kind of thing? But uh, the ending of that movie has an amazing sequence of emotions that are, it's basically a wordless ending. This is a really well done ending and it's all done to this jazz drumming and yeah. it's it's just a phenomenal thing and i tell people a lot of times that 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 movie for for me musically this year that ending was the ending that defined great music yeah. in a movie this year yeah that soundtrack i've heard parts of that soundtrack and i was a bit confused if the film was based off of buddy rich yep or it was but no, it's it was. not is it, it a buddy rich buddy rich plays style? highly in it they uh okay. the boy and myers buddy rich and uh that's like his favorite drummer okay. in the movie okay but I tell people uh, Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich's Monster is probably one of the best drum <laughs> solos in all of music. It is it is beautiful. Um, but that, that movie, it's such a stunning moment. And I think it, it plays really crucial to the kind of music that's happening in that part. Um, so how many times in a record store do you hear people asking for movies from or music? Or soundtrack? From soundtracks? Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah. I would think yeah, I mean, the... Guardians of the Galaxy oh, is yeah. the huge one. I didn't pick that, you know, in my list today. Mm -hmm. But that right there, that's what we do, you know. Yep. The awesome mix mm -hmm. is what we're doing yep. here. <laughs> but that, that is proof, like, that's what people, they respond very, very well to that. Familiar songs put into a mix like that, like... That soundtrack just won't stop selling. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, and it's. I mean, it's got its novelty to it, of course. And the movie's so great, and Star Lord is such a charming character. Mm -hmm. But, and the that weird. Um, it is kind of like the Quentin Tarantino stuck in the middle scene, mm -hmm. where it like adds levity to these scenes. Yep. And so people associate with it, and. Very much. They. It, it's funny you say that because I remember at a Black Friday <clears throat> sale at yes. the, the record store that we go to. Did you get your cassette? I didn't because it oh. sold out. And I was there pretty early and yeah. it was gone. I'm like, it's cassette. Come on. It wasn't even going to nope. be played. It was just going to sit on my shelf. Well, we always, we talk about it at work. Like it's a part, it's a character in the film. That yeah. cassette is a character. Yep. It is, it's more than a prop. It has its own life within the film. Yeah. So, because it's the symbol of his mom. Yeah. There's that yeah. great scene where he uh, he Spoiler gets real alert. upset when the guy uh, <laughs> is listening to his mix or takes his, uh, yes. his Walkman from him. Yeah, like, that's mine. That's my jams. You know, it's it's funny. I know that for some people, soundtracks are the only connection to music that people have. You it think? Sounds, uh, I know a few people. Yeah? I used to work with somebody who her entire music collection was soundtracks. Hmm. It, was, uh, it, it was really, like, kind of weird to see, like, opening up her – it looked like a DVD – like a DVD case, yeah. But I'm like, these are soundtracks. These aren't like, <laughs> these aren't like movies. You know, these are the soundtracks. But she had everything, and then like, it was funny to see that because it, looking at where she started their, her CD collection and where it was at currently, you can see kind of her movement throughout films. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. Yeah. There's a I lot can't of, imagine uh, living only in soundtrack land, but I get it. Because like I said, it's like a mix. You yeah. know, it's like what we're doing here. You would figure, like, if you attached yourself to, like, a Prince song, you'd be like, I got to go see what else this guy does. Mm -hmm. uh, for her, it wasn't. It was really just just the soundtracks. Variety. Yeah. Spice of life. So t so today in our mixtape, we celebrate the movies that the music defines. And uh, I've entitled this uh, podcast, Quiet on the Set. <laughs> yes. 
These mix <laughs> these mixtape songs. I hate it songs, when he yells at me. <laughs> <laughs> these mixtape songs are not original compositions, but rather songs from established artists that that are used in the film. Um, they could be original or already existing songs, and uh, I feel like this is just part one of a bunch of parts yeah. to come. I was we were talking about how Monty could probably do this for all, day. <laughs> all year long. <laughs> oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so without any further hesitation, here are the songs. Ladies first. Thank you, Monty. Uh, we touched on John Hughes already, um, and I already mentioned Cameron Crowe, who is my who is my mixtape muse, actually. I think um, starting with, I mean, I'm, I picked a song. I picked The Replacements, Within mm-hmm. Your Reach, which is from Say Anything. Yep. One of his first films and a very important film to a lot of people. The soundtrack was amazing. Um, and all of the songs I think I picked are from really good collections of songs and soundtracks, not just like one great song. It was difficult to pick one song yeah. from each soundtrack that I have here for today. But um, I'd have to say this is one of the most emotional moments for me, seeing it in a film. Um, when Lloyd Dobler is driving around after being broken up with, the Within Your Reach is playing, and he's just driving around at night. And there's something about the song, the intro, and the lyrics. I mean, it's all about, I'm going to die within your reach. Like, we were so close to being happy, and I can't live without you, and I'll die this way. And But there's also some hope. And, you know, the other songs from this soundtrack, too, that's... I was doing a little bit of research and just doing my own notes for myself to remember everything that was going on. Say Anything had Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes, Mm -hmm. and that changed a lot of things. I mean, that's an iconic movie music moment when Lloyd's (laughs) holding up the the boombox playing In Your Eyes. Every girl at that point was like, I want to meet Lloyd Dobler. (laughs) (laughs) You know, even within the film, they're like, Floyd, man, he's the best. So, but like I said, it's a very iconic moment in film connected to music and using somebody else's words to express how you feel to someone. So, but anyway, I also, like I said, I went with the replacements because this was also an introduction, mainstream introduction of the replacements to people. Nobody had really used them in film before. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's more personal than in your eyes because... Yeah. Everybody plays in your eyes. It's oh, a yeah. great song, mm-hmm. and it will do a number on you every time. But again, chose the replacements.
Mary, what's your uh, favorite Cameron Crowe movie? Almost Famous. Almost Famous? Yeah. I like Elizabeth Town. Hands I, uh, down. And uh, Almost Famous. And Say Anything. And Trey <laughs> McGuire. And... <laughs> <laughs> Show me the mixed Show up me the Monty. Mixed up Monty. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I like uh, I really like the ending of Elizabeth Town where he goes on the journey with the music that this girl has chosen for him. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a perfect road trip. Like, it really is. It's, yeah, I always love that scene. It's it's well, I'll let you you know pick your next, but I've got plenty of Gammon Crow yeah. <laughs> anecdotes to add to all of this because I'm a uber fan well i went to uh an artist next who we've now had in two podcasts in a row huey lewis in the news makes an appearance that's got to mean something significant is going to happen like back to the future 4 is going to (laughs) happen or or something worse like a remake of the original is going to happen or huey lewis comes in to guest appearance on mixed up at monty that would be pretty awesome yeah do you think he'd pick all his own songs watch you know I, I'm okay with that. He can have his own hour. Let's talk about sports. <laughs> well, we'll have to do the sports mix after that. Some people compare Huey to Elvis Costello, and then they mercilessly chop, you, chop them into tiny pieces with a <laughs> silver axe. <laughs> At least the character Patrick Bateman did, played by Christian Bale in uh, Mary Heron's film adaptation of the Brett Easton Ellis novel. Uh, after giving a thorough critique of the worth of Huey Lewis, uh, Patrick Bateman uh, introduces the 1987 album Four as the masterpiece of Huey <laughs> there Lewis. There it is. Uh, which this song, Hip to Be Square, such an unexpected moment in this movie because you don't, it's the first time you know that he's going to break. Mm-hmm. And he breaks on Jared Leto, <laughs> a drunk Jared Leto sitting in a, in a lazy boy. Uh, it's, it's darkly, darkly humorous. I don't condone violence at all. And this movie has a lot of violence <laughs> against women. Yeah. And a lot of gruesome violence against other people. However, it's really humorous the way that they talk about the 80s. And well, the metaphors amazing. that they utilize for for that time and the, the kind of person that this guy is, Patrick Bateman is. But uh, Hip to be Square was that song that uh, I think for me, when I watched the movie, it was just like, oh my goodness, is this really happening? To <laughs> Hip to be Square? <laughs> After Patrick Bateman does a little shimmy back to get his axe, it's such a yeah. weird scene. But Christian Bale plays it almost perfectly. Uh, so here is Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis in the News. There's a great parody of this of this song uh, that was done for a website where Huey Lewis 
is pa- playing the Patrick Bateman character, and Weird Al oh. is playing the Paul Allen character. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen that. It's so That's funny. That's going to be amazing. I like Huey Lewis. He's got a good sense of humor. Yep. And again, if he is willing to come over to Mixed Up with Monty and Mary. Come on over, he Huey. He can totally take over. Come on over. We'll take over the podcast. And watch. And then do our sports mixes. We got drums and everything. We can play backup. That's right. He can, he can do I'll a bring songs. harmonica. He can do Power of Love. This is, <laughs> this is our request directly to Huey Lewis. So. Um, so I guess going from that into my second choice, um, another Cameron Crowe film. And I think I've already mentioned, you asked me what my favorite Cameron Crowe was, and mm-hmm. it's Almost Famous. Yep. Hands down for me, it's Almost Famous. Not to say that I don't love all of the Cameron Crowe films, although I never saw Vanilla Sky. Yeah. So a lot of people gave me a hard time for that, but whatever. It has its merits. Vanilla Sky has its merits. Yeah. It doesn't compare to the original version yeah. of the movie, but... And it's got the Paul McCartney song on it. Yeah. There's uh-huh. original Paul McCartney, newish, on that one. That's what I knew. Yeah. <laughs> It all comes back to you. So this, I had to pick something from Almost Famous for this because I can't not think of a soundtrack and not think of this. It's also, like I said, Cameron Crowe is a muse for me Mm -hmm. because I believe he is the best at collecting the, in my lifetime as a female movie watcher, there's something about Cameron Crowe and his selection. I don't know if that's because he's married to a musician and his history of being a writer, but when you when I first saw Almost Famous, there's outtakes from it on the DVD, and he talks about Almost Famous being a biography because he started very young, you know, and he knew Lester Bangs. He was writing for Rolling Stone. Um, he was going around seeing all these bands. Almond Brothers is what Stillwater, yeah, Stillwater. is closest yeah. to. Um, but he talks about how he would make a mixtape every month and use it as a journal to remember everything that was happening. And so I think since that point, I was always making the mixtapes before, mm-hmm. but then I started doing them religiously just so I could remember everything yeah. that was going on. Try to do them every month, try to do them every quarter. And yep. now I kind of, obviously with you, I get to do them a lot more, but it really serves a good therapeutic purpose yeah. for me because I can go back and go like, oh, hey. Because when he, he's talking about this, and then in this little vignette documentary, he opens up a a drawer, and he's got all of his lanyards and all of his yeah. ticket stubs and notes from people and his notes, and that's what my drawers look like. Mm-hmm. Like, I have all of these memories, and I keep all of these things and try not to be too hoarder about it, mm-hmm. but and then just try to be concise about it. Um, but anyway... So that's kind of the background story of why I love Cameron Crowe and why Almost Famous is one of my favorite films and soundtracks. So from this, I chose Led Zeppelin, That's the Way, because it was also one of the first films where Led Zeppelin was okay with them using their songs. And of course, they have a long history. It's connected to Cameron and then to Anne and Nancy Wilson doing Led Zeppelin, Mm -hmm. the whole thing. So, But this was used... um, this is when, actually, when they're going from Tempe, they have the yeah. show in Tempe where they get electrocuted. They're on the bus, and they're like, you want to buy a gate? Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, Mark Maron's famous, lock yeah. the gates! Yeah. <laughs> as he's, so they bust through the gate, and then this starts playing as soon as they hit the smooth road. Mm-hmm. And 
and it's about it's it's a very melancholy song and realizing that you can't play with this person anymore mm-hmm. and that means I won't play with your emotions and I won't play music with you so um so anyway so this is what's up that's the way what did mama say to me that's the way oh that's the way it ought to be And weren't those tears that filled your eyes And all the fish that lay in dirty water dying Had they got you hypnotized Great song. Great song. Uh, Stanley Kubrick is one of my top five favorite directors of all time. Uh, his film should be watched by everyone and studied by everyone that wants to make film. He's a master filmmaker. In Dr. Strangelove, a film satire about nuclear conflicts and fears between the U.S. and USSR, uh, Kubrick delivers a perfect example of black comedy. Um, in the closing scenes of the film, spoiler alert to anybody who hasn't seen this movie, <laughs> That came out such a long time ago. Um, a nuclear bomb is dropped with We'll Meet Again by Vera Lynn playing ominously over footage of actual nuclear blast footage. It's social commentary at its best. And Kubrick was a genius of doing that. Every movie he did, he, he spent so much time intricately putting everything together. Yeah. There's a great documentary where they show uh, Kubrick's uh, like storage room or something, like an extra house he had where he had all these different things things that he took pictures of doors to be of just doors there's a box full of pictures of doors hmm. that he was going to utilize some way shape or form somewhere else he was just everything was an image to him everything had a meaning so i like there's this great movie called uh, room 237 mm-hmm. by rodney asher it's about the shining right? about the shining mm-hmm. and uh, it's crazy the theories that people put into his movies if it was a if it was a michael bay movie no one would see that far. Nothing against Michael Bay, but no one would see that far into what he was trying to do. Well, he's got a different style, too. Yeah, Kubrick because it's Kubrick. Very, yeah. People are looking beyond what is on the screen mm-hmm. for some kind of meaning. And I think Kubrick, you know, will go down his history as probably one of the one of the He is one of the best, in my opinion. I don't oh, yeah. know any, any film fan who would think differently, but he is one of the best. Dr. Strangelove isn't necessarily the movie everyone defines him with, 2001 Space Odyssey. Shining, you know, all these other movies that he's done. But I really like Dr. Strangelove. I was going to say, isn't Dr. Strangelove, like, that's a rite of passage. You have to see this film if you're a film student. You have I to would see, assume so. I mean, yep. you have to see 2001. Mm-hmm. You have to see Dr. Strangelove. Yep. Um, I know this is probably sacrilegious, but The Shining is my one of my least favorite films. Yeah. And I'm not taking away from the film. It's just because it does a number on me, which oh, yeah. is the mark of a good film. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, The Shining was the first Kubrick I came across. Um, yeah. And then really close after that, which is really weird, was Lolita. Oh, um, yeah. Lolita's amazing. Yeah. And then and then I found 2001 Space Odyssey, and I had no idea what it meant. 
Mm-hmm. So when the movie was over, I'm like, Pfft. well, that's funny. What does that mean? I thought you were gonna pick also Sarac, yeah. Sarathra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can never say that right from 2001 mm-hmm. because that is quite the intro. Yep. But Vera doing, I mean, that is a metaphor of what was happening at that time Very too. Much. So. So here's uh, Vera Lynn and the chorus doing We'll Meet Again. Till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away. So will you please say hello to the folks that I know. Tell them I won't be long. They'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. We'll meet again, don't know when, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Glad we made a Kubrick film happen in here. Oh yeah, we got another one coming. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure in your world. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of, well, we can go to another black and white film here. There you go. Yep. So, um, or a black and white montage of what's happening in this film. Um, for my third song, I picked the Beatles. I know, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> one of the best things about the Beatles is that they were able to make films. Yeah. You know, I don't know of another band. I can't think of off the top of my head another band that was popular enough to be like, let's make a movie, um, and much less two movies. So I picked Help from Help. Um, this is from 1965. In the film itself is really fun because when Help happens, it just you've got a, like an uber focus on Ringo's ring because mm-hmm. that's what the whole <laughs> film is. They're trying to get the ring, and so and it's the black and white, um, and then. I mean, the whole, it's a soundtrack and an album, you know, you, you mm-hmm. can, you can listen to the album and not think, oh, I need to see the movie, but it's just a fun bonus. Yep. Hard Day's Night, of course, is my, it, that's my, I don't know, it, it's kind of like children, it's like, which of the Beatles do yep. you like the best? Which of the films from the Beatles do you like the best? Um, mm-hmm. Help is so fun. <laughs> and then, Sorry. <laughs> That's Ringo texting me. <laughs> I just got a text, ladies and gentlemen. I have to go. And here's the Beatles' help. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being
Uh, I have to also add real quick about Help that you've got to hide your love away. That song is in my top ten Beatles songs of all time. So that scene in Help where they're sitting there singing scene. to mm-hmm. her and George is making those eyes at her and yeah. and Paul's down in the bottom. <laughs> anyway, so it was, it, it was difficult for me to pick, but I figured if we're talking about soundtracks, I should go for a title track mm-hmm. when it came to this anyway. Thinking about Help. That's that era, that time f- period for the group. Who's the who's the best looking Beatle in that time? Nineteen sixty five. That's hard. Why do you always do this to me? You always make me pick Don't between pick the Beatles. Talent. No talent. <laughs> They're all Joe Schmoes. <laughs> I'm gonna say Paul because I love that hair. Yeah. Like there's something about the quality of hair, but then. I have a feeling that George Harrison would charm the pants off of me. Yep. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I'm You're going cool, with this Paul. guy. You're cool. Yeah, this guy's that. too goofy. This guy, Paul's way into himself, but at least George is like, hey, hey, hey. I need to do You don't think bit. John Lennon's bad boy quality would? I'm, I'm a weird one. I never really liked John Lennon. I don't find him attractive. I think he's a dick okay. most of the time. I mean, I love him. And John, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Beatles fan. You know where I'm mm-hmm. coming from. But as a woman, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. And then there's Ringo in there. Always the friend. Ringo's fun. <laughs> I would coordinate parties with Ringo. I'd be like, let's go. Ringo probably got this line a lot. Ringo, yeah. you're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ringo got the most fan letters. I mean, he yeah. was the most successful. Like, he was the, I don't know. He's goofy. With a name yeah. like Ringo, hello. That's right. Okay, next one we're going to 80s horror films. Huge. I was waiting to see when you would pick a horror huge film in my life. section or song. The Lost Boys by Joel <sighs> Schumacher is one of my favorite 80s movies. <laughs> it embodies the spirit of the 80s. It has the two Corys as a young Jack Bauer. And it has Bill from Bill and Ted. And a soundtrack that I broke on cassette tape mm. as well, too. <laughs> um, Lou Graham of Foreigner fame made my favorite song on the soundtrack, which was the song Lost in the Shadows. The scene with this song had dirt bikes, vampires, a hot Jamie Gertz from Solar Babies and Less Than Zero playing a girl named Star. It's pure 80s, and I loved every moment of it. Here is Lost in the Shadows by Lou Grant. that movie so much i can't tell you how many times i've seen that movie and actually like as i was thinking about it one of my favorites um 
uh, Echo and the Bunnymen doing People yeah. Are Strange mm-hmm. in, on the Last Boys theme, that right there at the beginning. It's at the beginning, right? Yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, when they're going, they're going through. Into Santa Clarita. I think that's where they're going. <laughs> San Dimas. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is it San Dimas? I thought it was Santa Clarita. San Dimas is Bill and Ted's, which yeah, is making yep. me think. Okay. Anyway. What's the old um, man say the <laughs> thing I hate about Santa Clarita? Santa Cl- is it Santa Clara? I don't no. know. Hey, one of those. Um, is all the damn vampires. <laughs> I Close the refrigerator God, door. San Dimas, but whatever. Um... Someone but anyway, will good pick. Me. My buddy Henry will call in and correct me. <laughs> yeah, we need a call in yeah. thing. We need to tell people, oh, we should totally do that this time or next time. I mean, we'll, open up a we'll phone have, line. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll tell people, listen in for the next two hours and call. And if you're listening, we'll... we'd have to make it a live podcast. Though. Yeah. Yeah, we can make we it can live, right? We can make that happen. We could stream yeah? it. Jeremy's nodding. We can do that. He's like, oh. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll turn into Fraser Crane and be like, no, call Loveline. Oh, wait, am I going to get busted for using Loveline? No. Um, Is that still around? I don't know. It's not, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, so anything else to add about Lost Boys? And- I just wish that it was still acceptable to wear my hair long and wear a leather jacket. It is. And boots and... It is, but... You can do whatever you want, Mom. I know that, so. but I don't want to embarrass my kid. <laughs> he think it's cool. He'll think it's really cool. Until he gets to, like, high school and realizes that his dad's a weirdo. <laughs> well, I guess this leads into... He'll still, still think that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't so. matter what you wear. He's still going to think you're weird. That's it. Um... Pulling the leather jacket out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh... in time for summer. <laughs> Well, speaking of weird things and outfits, I would personally like to put on an Olivia Newton-John outfit and wear roller skates to work and everywhere I go and wear feathery things (laughs) and flowy things. So I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Xanadu! Exactly. So I picked... uh, Xanadu was super formative for me when I was a kid. Really? Xanadu and Grease. Yeah. I was obsessed with Olivia Newton-John and being Olivia Mm -hmm. Newton-John, so... And I have an older sister, and I would always make her sing the guy parts, and I was the girl. I was like, no, I'm Olivia Newton-John, and you're the guy, and we're going to duet. So suddenly, especially, lent itself very well to that. (laughs) And this is with Cliff Richard. Um, Originally, you know, in the film, they make Mm -hmm. you think it's that other guy. But Cliff Richard is a great guitarist, long history, just a great songwriter. So it's he got his chance mainstream with this and made a bunch of money and yeah. But anyway, so this scene from Xanadu is them literally roller skating yeah. around inside the place. And it's just beautiful. And it made me feel like that's what love's like. <laughs> and now to like look back at it, I'm like, An well, roller skate rink. yeah, maybe, but I do believe in being amused. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of those fun things. But anyway, yeah. so it's Olivia Newton, John Cliff Richard doing, Suddenly look at me Can't you tell I'd be so thrilled To see the message in your eyes You make it seem I'm so close to my dream And then suddenly it's all Suddenly the wheels are in motion And I Suddenly, I don't need the answers Cause I, 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 
what matters. Oh, Olivia. Oh, Olivia. You do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next movie, or next song. Uh, play me Candy Colored Clown. Where's that from? <laughs> That's from the dark dark passages of your mind because it sounds super creepy. Mary, you know how much film I watch and the kind of movies that I admire, so it probably doesn't shock you that I like David Lynch's 1986 film Blue Velvet. Mm -hmm. Frank Booth is by far one of the strangest and most deranged villains. Yeah. That's Blue Ruin! Played exceptionally by Dennis Hopper. Frank Booth is great. I love Dennis Hopper. Uh, the scene in the film when Dean Stockwell lip syncs in dreams with Frank Booth's character staring bizarrely right into, right like inches away from <laughs> Dean Stockwell's face adds another layer to the entire film, bumping up its strangeness a whole nother level. Uh, take a look at symbolism that Lynch uses throughout the movie. Insects are everywhere. You yeah. get close ups, you get person eating, in, or uh, you get close ups of things eating other insects. Uh, even this song holds a meaning, and like I said with Kubrick earlier, there's always something that these filmmakers are trying to get across. Lynch is also one of those guys that does that. It's a strange film, but one that you cannot look away from. Here is In Dreams by Roy Orbison from is Blue Velvet. Right. I close my then I drift away into the magic night I softly say a silent prayer like dreamers do then I fall asleep to dream my dreams of you in dreams I walk with you In dreams I talk to you David Lynch is one of the best people um, when it comes to music in his films. Oh, I yeah. totally agree. I mean, Twin Peaks, mm -hmm. his work with Angelo Badalamente yep. um, oh, yeah. throughout his career is incredible. Um, in general, I just love David Lynch. So. Oh, he's great. I love David Lynch. I have, a, I have a friend of mine we argue about David Lynch all the time. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really care for him, and we do our three Davids, who are, who are our, rank our three Davids. I'm Cronenberg, Lynch, and Fincher oh, is where okay. I'm at on the line. Sometimes yeah. Lynch jumps above Cronenberg, but not often. <laughs> David Cronenberg for me is my favorite David of really? all the mm. filmmakers. So. These are the Daves I know, I know. Yeah. These are the Daves I know. Yeah, we went really from Olivia Newton-John to Roy Orbison. So. <laughs> um, uh, uh, oh, P.S., everybody. Monty Ashley did bring PBR, yep. so listening to that song in particular with a PBR in hand. Perfect. Perfect. Um, the next song I chose was the Shirelles' Will You Love nice. Me Tomorrow. Nice. 
because I, uh, it's one of the best written songs mm-hmm. in the American catalog of music, written by Carol King. Yep. Uh, I don't. I didn't write down the original year. I'm guessing it's probably 1964, right around there. Um, 1965. Um, but I chose this song. It comes from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. I did not pick. She's like the wind from Patrick Swayze. She's like the wind. Or uh, Time of My Life. No. Because the beauty of Dirty Dancing to me, that, you know, it's a huge film for a lot of people, especially women and especially Mm -hmm. my age. I I fit this, like, prototype of, oh, you must like Dirty Dancing. It's the whole crazy stupid love thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, let me show you how I get a girl. I'll do the Dirty Dancing scene. That's pretty much how it's going to work, but... I chose this one because that film in itself is about a girl falling in love and mm-hmm. with somebody who she usually doesn't associate her, herself with. And then just in general, the lyrics are amazing, and it's a question every girl has to ask herself. Yep. And it is a, a film about growing up and how important music is in that film. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. There is no dirty dancing without yep. great music. and. Yep. I lean more towards the classics, you know, the Otis Redding, mm-hmm. the Shirelles, all of that great stuff that was on that soundtrack. So, yep. anyway, so this is the Shirelles. takes like uh alternate scenes yeah and there's a scene where that was cut because i'm sure it would have made the movie rated r but it's patrick swayze's character and jennifer gray's character grinding basically but it's like so sexual like i remember watching it and being like oh my god this would have made the the movie so different (laughs) this would have made the movie so different it's almost like what song uh i don't remember what song it was was playing but they're 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 in there dancing and uh it's just the two of them, and they're like Patrick Swayze just is wearing like you know looks like he's just wearing underwear, and she's wearing just like uh, you know just her underwear it looks like, and Woo. yeah he's like he's getting into it if you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it, it caught me off guard when I first saw it. I remember looking at me like oh man, <laughs> what if this was in the movie? P.S. You just admitted that you watched all the extras for Dirty I Dancing. I did. So. I did. It's a good man. That's not it's surprising to some people. All right, going on to the next one. For all those people that are like, I can't believe they haven't played a Quentin Tarantino song yet. (laughs) 
spinning well, here it comes. five songs. <laughs> I could do 10 podcasts on Tarantino music mm-hmm. alone. And we started off the day. I like to start the day with a little mood music to get us in, get us ready for uh, for uh, whatever podcast we're doing. And all I did was a mix of Tarantino songs to start it off with. Um, I love Stuck in the Middle by Steeler's Wheel and Reservoir Dogs. I love Chuck Berry's You Can Never Tell during Jack Rabbit Slim's Twist Contest in Pulp Fiction. The iconic scene that still gives me goosebumps. I love that song so much. Bang Bang by Nancy Sinatra and Kill Bill. Cat Power. Cat People, sorry. Cat People by David Bowie and mm-hmm. Glorious Bastards. So many. I could do so many of those. But instead, I'll go back to the first song that I heard in the first Quentin Tarantino directed movie I ever saw. Nothing was cooler than watching those Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. walk to their car. It's a perfect entrance song, and we're going to listen to George Baker's selection, Little Green Bag from 1969. Here it is. Yeah. Looking back on the track for a little green bag. Got to find just a kind of loser, my man. Tarantino fans, you're welcome. I love that song. I love that movie. <laughs> when you were saying that long intro yep. gives you more time to project what you think these characters mm-hmm. are going to be and the way they walk and yep. who they are. Tarantino bobbing away to that song. Yeah, you guys should have seen Monty oh. doing his Quentin Tarantino <laughs> gangly really tall guy impression. So. Favorite Tarantino movie? While uh, we're on the subject? It's really hard. You know, I really love Jackie Brown. Um, like we talked about, though, I'm a true romance fan. Like Ooh, true romance nice. for me is my a written Tarantino. It's a written movie. Tarantino, yep. and that's his introduction. Mm-hmm. And I can't like I love how clever it is, and you know, I don't know. Pulp Fiction changed yeah. the game, of course, yeah. and but true romance, I'm always going to go back to, and mm-hmm. I don't. I'll have the argument whether it is or is not mm-hmm. because it's not directed by him. But you I like that. You like, can feel him in it the entire movie, though. If you True. watch every I mean, one of his movies, you watch True Romance, you can you know it's Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. But Jackie Brown, for me, I think is wonderful mm-hmm. because he had kept, you know, the thing about Quentin is he kept bringing back, giving these stars a second chance, yeah. John Travolta and then into Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. So, and I love Pam Greer. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, speaking about people with swagger and Quentin Tarantino and one of Quentin Tarantino's icons and who he wanted to be yep i chose elvis presley nice. um jailhouse rock you know it's really funny i almost forgot about how much quentin loved elvis and then he wanted to be elvis mm-hmm. and then of course into true romance, true romance yep. you know it's i like you clarence always have always will <laughs> um yeah and so this is jailhouse rock from 1957 this is another one like help mm-hmm. the only other artist i know of besides the Beatles that made actual films is Elvis and yep. Elvis made quite a few 
but Jailhouse Rock was my introduction. Like, oh my God, he's so beautiful. Like yeah. I like instantly I was like, oh my God, I want him to be my boyfriend. And he's probably, you know, I had no idea. I just knew that scene, especially Jailhouse Rock and King Creole. Yeah. Those are my two favorite Elvis movies. So anyway, so here's the king. One threw a party in the county jail. The prison band was there. They began to wail. The band was jumping and the jump began to swing. You should have heard this knocked out jailbird sing. Tender and Viva Las Vegas and uh, Jailhouse Rock. Those yeah. are my favorites. If, oh, how I wish there were more than 24 hours oh, in a yeah. day. A Elvis Presley marathon. <laughs> I picked a lot of the songs uh, for today based off of directors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not surprising to any of my movie friends out there that I went straight to a Coen Brothers film next. And the song that we're going to listen to was originally recorded by Teddy Hill in the Southern Soul. This cover was the first major hit in 1967 for the gambler himself, Mr. Kenny Rogers. Yay, Yay. Kenny. He smells really good. <laughs> it feels like psychedelic. <laughs> it he feels does. like a psychedelic drug song, though I believe it was meant to deter people from drug use. It's still a perfect song for the Coen Brothers movie, The Big Lebowski. During the gutter ball scene with a dancing Jeff Bridges, a Viking Julianne Moore, and bowling playing a key role in this uh, dream mm-hmm. sequence. Uh, we here just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Watch every Coen Brothers movie, everyone. They're all great. Here is just dropped in to see what condition my condition was Kenny in. Kenny Rogers. By Kenny Rogers in the first edition. In the edition. first edition. Sorry. Okay, I was going to say, don't, yep. forget, don't the forget the first, first edition, edition on exactly. this. By Kenny Rogers yeah. in the first edition. Yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I pushed my soul in a deep dark hole and then I followed it in I watched myself crawling out as I was crawling in 
Kowalski. I couldn't Clever. Yeah. You know, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yep. That is one of the best-selling soundtracks yep. in history, and and Coen Brothers have a very good use of music in their films. So. Yep. Good pick. Serious Man has a great use of a White Rabbit as well, too. Never seen it. Serious Man's a great movie. Never one of my favorite Coen Brothers. Yeah. Are we good? Yep. Are we good? Serious Man, Miller's Crossing. Oh, yeah. Raising Arizona. Yeah, those are my top three. It's pretty good. And then I'll watch Big Lebowski and be like, oh, that deserves it. <laughs> Don't fuck with the Jesus. Yeah. Raising Arizona. Son, you got a panty on your head. <laughs> you like know, I've only part. ever seen that movie once. Oh, I love it. And that I movie. only made it halfway through. Sometimes I get the menstrual cramps real hard. <laughs> yeah, I could live my life. Everybody telling me quotes from it. It's pretty good. It's uh, one of those films, I think, like, maybe I should catch up. It's a good but, one. You should give it a whirl. Um, anyway, so on to our other conversations about Quentin Tarantino and his ability to pick out amazing songs for film. You know, the only thing Quentin does pigeonholing himself is that he picks all 70s and like late 60s 70s mm -hmm. you know i think the only contemporary thing he ever picked was urge overkill doing mm -hmm. neil diamond he did a, a rick that ross I can remember. song in a rick ross song in Django and chain okay yep so there's rick ross but then there's um what's the other what's the rizza film the uh, oh, thousand the, uh, fists, that, man with yeah, a thousand man fists, with the, man with the golden or the iron fists, or yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. So, but Quentin's associated with that, right? He's a producer, producer or, on it. Yeah, I think he was a producer. But on that's it. probably the only film where he actually uses something contemporary. Yeah. So that's kind of the only, you know, that's the mm -hmm. only Quentin thing that's kind of like you're you're not pushing it, you're not using new music, yeah. but he knows how to make a fucking good mixtape oh, yeah. that's for sure and he's a 70s kid so there's this uh this sorry to interrupt there's this uh this podcast i used to listen to where they'd bring celebrities on and they talk about music and it was probably one of the inspiring moments for what we do here but uh quentin tarantino came on and i was thinking oh man this is gonna be so good he's gonna pick so many amazing songs he decided not to go real big yeah and he bottled it up to only talking about the jacksons <laughs> Not the Jackson Five, not Michael Jackson, just the Jacksons, just the Jacksons. Huh. and it was amazing. It was so good. It was like well, an hour and a half of Tarantino just spouting about huh. the Jacksons. It was so good. Well, like I said, he's very good at that era. Yeah. He's very good at seventies. It's who he is, and so from that sixties, um, seventies, I chose. Jackie Brown. We're talking about intros for films and mm -hmm. the intro for Reservoir Dogs where they're all walking. The intro for Jackie Brown being her walking yeah. through the airport while hundred <laughs> across 110th Street from Bobby Womack and Peace is playing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that really good, they capt he captures you on that first song, that intro song. It'll get you every time. Yep. And, and, you, and the use of walking and motion to portray the song for mm -hmm. you. And you kind of know, I mean, as soon as that song comes out, you know exactly where she's from. Yep. You know exactly what she's doing. She's literally blue-collar woman mm -hmm. <laughs> walking yep. down. And I don't know, just Pam Greer is beautiful, and it's just a perfect trifecta of music, mm -hmm. film, and imagery, and motion. So, Pam Greer, if you're listening, we we have a seat for you. Oh, right please, here. Pam Greer. Please Ready. come over. It'll be beautiful. 
So one of the three listeners that listen consistently, if you know Pam Greer, let her know. <laughs> You'll love that. Yeah, her. send her a love letter. So anyway, this is Pam. This is, <laughs> I almost said Pam Greer. <laughs> this is Bobby Womack in peace during Across 110th Street in 1972. I was the third brother of five, doing whatever I had to do to survive. I'm not saying what I did was all right. Trying to break out of the ghetto was a day-to-day fight Being down so long, getting up didn't cross my mind But I knew there was a better way of life And I was just trying to find You don't know what you do till you put under pressure Cross 110th Street is a hell of a tester Across 110th Street Pimps trying to catch a woman next week Another Tarantino, everybody. You gotta have him in there. We're going to another Tarantino song, or a Tarantino influence film. More horror films, Mary. More horror films. Good screen. <laughs> From Dust Till Dawn brought Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez <laughs> oh. together for another vampire film. Uh, another vampire film featured here on the podcast. <laughs> but most importantly, it brought my 90s crush onto the screen again, this time as a queen vampire doing a striptease. Yeah, amen. Before all hell breaks loose in the beautiful Salma Hayek. Uh, I went into this film blind. I remember watching yeah. it in the theaters. I went into it blind. 1996, I believe, was when it came out. Um, I don't know why I didn't see a trailer for it, but I love Desperado, and I love Reservoir Dogs, and I just got done watching Pulp Fiction. So it was a no-brainer to go and check this one out in the theaters. I didn't even know it was a horror film. Yeah. I I think I saw this on a – I worked at a video store, Mm -hmm. and it was on a loop. Yeah. And I I think I've watched From Dust Till Dawn probably the most. Oh, wow. Followed, like, it's Pulp Fiction and then From Dust Till Dawn. That's amazing. No joke. Uh, So for me, you know, I didn't know it was a horror film. I thought it was about two gangsters. I thought it was going to be like another Tarantino-esque crime movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when the shit hits the fans and the vampires come out and the barrage of blood and guts, it was was like magic to my horror heart. Well, it was the introduction of Robert Rodriguez to me. Yeah. So I didn't know. I hadn't seen El Mariachi. Yeah. And Did you see Desperado yet? Yes. That's yeah, right. I saw it after that. Yeah. Um, Desperado is where I fell in love. But it was all so about Mike. El Mariachi at yeah. the time. I was my, One of my best friends at the time was a film student. And mm-hmm. so we'd watch Orson Welles. We'd watch <laughs> Citizen Kane. And then we'd watch From Dust Till Dawn in Pulp Fiction. Awesome. So the song that we're going to is by Tito and Tarantula. Yes. It is uh, the striptease song that Salma Hayek dances to. As, Amen, brother. Uh, I forget what her name was in that movie. Santan- Santanico Pandemonia. <laughs> right? The perfect name. <laughs> so here is After Dark by Tito and Tarantula. But 
God. Like, Harvey Keitel is the <laughs> oh, he's priest. he's so good in that movie. And so good. And, of course, Juliette Lewis. Yeah, yep. And what's, what was her brother? Uh, her brother was, that was his first movie. That, uh, the, the Asian kid. Yeah. That was his first one. Yeah, yeah. Ernest Liu was his name. He played as <laughs> Scott Fuller. You got Cheech Marin, you got Danny Trejo, you got Tom Savini as Sex Machine, you got Fred Williamson doing the the Vietnam story. That's right. Um, You even got Michael Parks, who plays the same Earl McGraw character in the Death Proof movies. And uh, where else is he at? Kill Bill, too? Yeah, he's in Kill Bill. Yeah. He's all over the place. And then, like, there's that little scene where you see the the FBI agent talking about the Gecko Brothers on television. That's John Saxon. Huh. From uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and no, from <laughs> Enter the Dragon. Yes. Yeah. Of course, Enter yep. the Dragon. That's very mm-hmm. Tarantino. That was him getting ready to do Kill Bill, yep. I'm sure, and all of his yeah. fancy moves there. So, Well, I guess you could see that in Pulp Fiction with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the Samurai Sword. With the Samurai Bruce Sword, Willis, of yeah. course, yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, That um, was such a cool scene. When he, when he examines when he the chooses. kind of... Uh, weaponry he wants to do and he picks the samurai sword my my martial arts movie love came to life in that scene yeah oh so good yeah like hmm, could we do the horror film with the with the chainsaw or the do i just want to kill him with this Uh anyway we could go again we could just do a tarantino all day you could do a tarantino one but we won't uh we'll move on and my next song that i chose is um from one of my favorite like all-time favorite films, Pump Up the Volume. It is very, um, as Monty probably gets to know me even better with every time, it's not very surprising that this is one mm-hmm. of my favorite films nope. at all. Um, Harry Hardon, yep. <laughs> out of the Paradise Valley, bored Phoenix uh-huh. area, making up his own station at the time, too. That was the other thing. I grew up in a small town, and it was like, we're fucking bored. Yeah. Let's play some good music, mm-hmm. so... Um, that the soundtrack stands by itself as one of the best yeah, ever. I agree. I mean, this is a critic's choice across the board. Um, this and it, High Fidelity. This High Fidelity, um, Train Spotting. Yep, Train Spotting. Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Some of these films that we incorporated into the critics yep. very much so in this mix, in this podcast. So, um, But anyway, I chose, pod- <laughs> I chose podcast. Um, I chose Concrete Blonde. Everybody knows. It's a cover of a Leonard Cohen song, mm-hmm. but with Jeanette singing it, it brings it a whole new life. And I think my favorite part is probably towards the end when she changes her her um, her pitch and her alts, the whole second part where she just takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. It's just a really beautiful song, and everybody knows when the dice are loaded. Everybody knows what's going on. You might not know what's going on. Like... Everybody knows they just won't say it. Yep. So, and that's one of the beauties of Pump Up the Volume. It was like, I'm going to be a rebel. Everybody knows that this is bullshit. But mm-hmm. but anyway, it just by it's itself, a, I could listen to this over and over. Away from the soundtrack, it's also a really good movie. Uh, yes. One of Christian Slater's best movies. Yeah. Yep. It's very 80s, very, very awesome. Yep. So, anyway, here's Concrete One. Everybody knows. Everybody knows Everybody knows That's the way it goes 
to live forever When you had a line or two Everybody knows the deal is rotten Old Black Joe still picking cotton For your ribbons and bows Everybody knows you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful Give it take a night or two Everybody knows you've been discreet So many people you had to Christian Slater do you have a favorite Christian Slater movie? You kind of mentioned one earlier. Well, True, True Romance. Romance. Yep. Yeah, True Romance, followed by Pump Up the Volume and uh, Gleaming the Cube. I was just, oh, Gleaming the Cube's so good. <laughs> Gleaming the Cube was like, he's he's just his own kid, yep. you know, and he's still a rebel. I really liked uh, Heathers. Heathers and yep. uh, The Wizard. I the never wizard. saw The Wizard. Yep. And... Uh, Untamed Heart. How about Untamed Heart? Oh, I forgot about Untamed Heart. He has a small role in Interview with a Vampire, but let's not. Oh yeah. Let's not go too far away because (laughs) him, uh, John Travolta in Broken Arrow, John Woo. (laughs) Oh man, I never saw it. I love that. Yeah, he plays a Elvis impersonator in Three Thousand Miles to Graceland as well too. Of course he does. Okay, next move. Next movie. We're uh, we're kind of gonna. There are a lot of movies I could do. I could do classics. I could do, uh, you know. You could break it down into a lot of different departments. I'm staying a little bit to the 80s because that's when music kind of, for me, in movies, I attached on to the movie and then attached on to the music. So 80s action films. We just talked about this earlier in the day about how they don't do it like they used to do it. In the 80s, if you made made an action movie – you had a action movie song right. by someone right. you had a would big come rock in. theme. Yeah. Someone would come in to do your theme yeah. just for the movie. And that's where this one comes up with uh, um, the movie Rocky. Mm. And specifically Amen. Rocky Part 3. Oh. Yes. I'm so yes. jealous right now that I the can Rocky pick it. You haven't even and said I it. I omit Part 5 from the collection. Because everyone should omit part five in this in this selection, but uh, no. <laughs> have you seen part five? No. Don't. Okay. Do yourself a favor. Go from four to Rocky Balboa. Okay. Because Rocky Balboa ends it really good, but okay. five is just a piece. Anyways, for the one person out there that loves Rocky Five, I apologize, but it's <laughs> awful. Um, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor was made specifically for Rocky Three at the request of Sylvester Stallone. Uh, it changed the whole dynamic of his franchise because it was it's like true. almost like a drama. And then part three came around. You introduced Mr. T. You introduced Hulkamania in there. James Brown. Yeah, James Brown. <laughs> you know, in, in part four, the beginning of part four, yes. James Brown makes an yes. appearance there. Coming, or, uh, Coming to yeah. America. Yep. And, uh, and Rocky became almost a superhero. Mm-hmm. You know, he, oh, yeah. he, he, left, he stopped being a man and kind of transcended to this other person. Um, so... You got this this song that played such a role in that movie, Part Three, that originally wasn't supposed to be that song. Mm. It was supposed to be Queen's "Another One Bites the Dust," hmm. but he couldn't get the rights for it, so he yeah, that shit re- was probably expensive. Yeah, which also turned into a sports theme, though. Yeah, exactly. So Sylvester so Stallone did something great, and he got Survivor to come and do the song. And I'm telling you, I have I have a tiger is so much better than for the movie so much better than another one bites the dust. I can't imagine it being another one bites the dust. I have the tiger is one of those perfect songs. Yep. Like 
it makes you feel good and like you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> makes you want to makes you want to get up and shadow box. Yes. To Whoa. which I'll probably do during the interlude. So here we go. <laughs> so Survivor. I am Tiger. ran up the stairs at Philadelphia's famous I just, steps I just area. lifted a log in Jeremy's backyard <laughs> over I my shoulders. Three raw eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Monty. Oh. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> I love Eye of the Tiger. It's an amazing pick. It is so 80s. Yeah, very much. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know how to connect over to this one. <laughs> That's so good. It got me so excited. Um, I, well, okay. To transition, uh, we've been talking about films this whole time. I'm going to choose one from a TV. Oh, nice. Film, or TV soundtrack, I guess, or TV tie-in. We haven't talked about this at all. I'm still catching my breath from, <laughs> from my Rocky <laughs> moment. Sorry. Don't drink beer and work out. It's not. Yeah. It yeah. PBR help your and working out doesn't really. <laughs> it's not good for you kids. Don't do it. Um, but anyway, to go back to what I chose, it's from the finale of one of my all-time favorite shows, Breaking Bad. Nice. Um, spoiler alert, guys. It's over. <laughs> Breaking Bad ended. So. <laughs> I hope you guys know that. Somebody <laughs> just turned off the podcast. Like, oh, shit. Hate it when they ruin it. So we talk about Quentin Tarantino reviving mm-hmm. people's careers and their music. Uh, Vince Gilligan did this for Badfinger at the end of Breaking Bad. He did this. The use of music throughout Breaking Bad yep. is 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 par to a soundtrack film to me. Like, yep. the, what everything they did was... High, super level high, you know, and each week you knew you were going to know one at least one song or something familiar. In the final episode, Felina, they use um, they use quite a few songs. They use Marty Robbins, mm-hmm. um, but the very very final song of Breaking Bad is Bad Fingers, Baby Blue, and as a super fan. Everything about this song choice 
is absolutely perfect. Yep. Um, I guess I got what I deserve. Yep. I was never there for you well enough. And, you know, it's all about Walter at the end trying to repay his debt to all the people he loved and yep. worked with. And I just cried like a baby. <laughs> I will totally admit that once that Badfinger song started at the final scene of the final episode of the series finale, I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite quotes was, um, what the season's finale did for Badfinger was more than their career ever could. Like, like their, <laughs> yeah, their, yeah. <laughs> their sales went through the roof and they were like, what's that band? You know, mm-hmm. but again, thank you, Vince Villigan, who did this with X-Files. He yep. did this with Breaking Bad. He'll, he's doing it with Better Call Saul. So yep. anyway, so That's here's good. Badfinger. Don't you Another blue song, this Ooh. time Blue Moon, by a frequent now, it seems like, frequent guest on our podcast in some shape or on form. On your side or on both? My, I think a little bit on both. It's Sam yeah. Cooke. Oh, you can't um, go with Sam Cooke. Werewolf movies now, Mary, and the single greatest <laughs> practical effect transformation scene shot on film. Effects done by Rick Baker, the master of special uh-huh. effects in the movie American Werewolf in London. If you haven't seen this movie by John Landis, it's one of the best horror films. Gruesome, comedic, with touches of emotional content consistently throughout. The transformation scene utilizes Sam Cooke's cover of Blue Moon, a song that is used three separate times throughout the movie by three different people. Mm -hmm. Three covers. The other two covers are done by Elvis Presley and Bobby Vinton. Uh, Songs with Moon in the title play throughout the movie. Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Moon Dance by Van Morrison. And uh, there's a few other ones that play really prominent in there. So, do yourself a favor. Get yourself American Werewolf in London. Get yourself to a television immediately. <laughs> and put it right to that transformation scene. And I t- I'm telling you, this movie came out in the 80s. If you aren't blown away by that effects scene. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's, it's one of those formative ones. John Landis is a huge music person, too. He is. He did the Blues yeah. Brothers movie. And Thriller. And Thriller, yeah. Yeah, he's, yep. a, he's a big... He's one of those first ones that really got it. Yep. So here's Blue Moon by Sam Cooke. And when I looked, the moon had turned to gold. Blue moon. 
Now I'm no longer alone Without a dream in my, 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 my heart Without a love of my own Blue, 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 blue moon You saw me standing alone Without a dream in my, my, my heart Without a love, without a love, without a love of my own Blue You knew just what I was there for You heard me say Someone I really could care for Then suddenly there appeared before me Only one mile <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's such a good scene <laughs> It's killing so, me It's so unexpected because he's just like reading a book or something like that And then Blue Moon's playing in the... <laughs> I a good it. horror film. Yep. That's a sign of a very good horror film. Um, well, I guess this could transition into a type of horror because drug use can be pretty fucking horrible. Oh, yeah. And change your whole life. Um, at the time this movie came out, it was 90... What was this month? He was 97? For Train Spotting. Yeah, this is... Uh, I chose a song for Train Spotting. I chose New Order's Temptation. This isn't the blatant... Uh, you know, Lou Reed, Perfect Day, heroin shoot-up scene, mm-hmm. but this is, it's used throughout. Yep. You know, it's it's first used with the girl, when he sees the girl at the club, and you've got green eyes, you've got, you know. I, this is just a pure love of New Order. And that era, that time period of, it was the night. This song had obviously come out way before Train Spotting, but mm-hmm. it was so English, so Scottish, so so UK. And I, at the time, was just obsessed with anything English. And then Train Spotting comes out, and it's one of the best films and one of the best soundtracks. So I chose New Order Temptation. And it's also used in uh, Marie Antoinette, I believe. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 1996. All right. I was close. You're close, yeah. I was just a baby. I was 19 years old, and I remember going to the theater drunk to see this film. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. when you go see this film, and you're just like, oh, my God, they shit all over the bed. <laughs> but the New Order just made me want to, like, listen to New Order the whole time. Yep. And so, and then I almost picked, you know, um, Lou Reed. But yep. it was, it, it's a tough one. I went with New Order just because it's based on, it's been used more than once in films. Yep. And so it's... It's also seven minutes long, so please don't, please don't take a ball. No. Seven minutes here, Monty. Anyway, here's your party.
know, every week that goes by, you're slowly turning me from, like, into a New Order fanatic. Because I've, I've picked up, like, I think I picked up, like, two albums of theirs Good. in the last, like, few weeks. Good. I, th- and this song is Listen great. Listen to Bad Lieutenant next, shoot. Okay. Because that's the most recent um, uh, offshoot of mm-hmm. New Order. Really good. All right. Next, that's the next one I'm going to do. Okay. Uh, I went a little earlier, a little recent, more recent with my next pick. Good. Um, have you seen the movie Once? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a doozy. Such a great movie. It's, I can't ever watch it again. Yeah. It's a rough movie. I'm literally like, I can only watch Once Once. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> The song Falling Slowly is the synopsis for the film, a movie about two people who cross paths and make beautiful music together. Uh, but the music is always first in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's never the relationship or you know any of that. It's always the music. Love, relationship, stardom are all secondary to the music. It's one of my favorite movie, movies about music because of music, it's, it's the core of the film. Yeah. It's what's bringing them together. It's what's it's motivating the them. It is. It's the partnership. Mm-hmm. And uh, Falling Slowly is such a beautiful film because it's so simplistic. It's it's really it just really the is. best of both of these two people. Uh, and it's a story about the about these two individuals. So if you haven't seen Once by John Carney, the, is the director of that mm-hmm. movie, go out and watch it, man, because it's really good. Uh, Glenn Hansard and Marquita Glova are, are part of a group yep. called The Swell Season. And Glenn Hansgar- Hansard does his own stuff on his own as well, too. Yeah. So Glenn Hansard was also in the frames. That was yep. his first. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a good Irish lad. Yep, he sure is. Good Irish lad who was in the frames, and then he went over to this. <laughs> so here there's is... There's my uh, Irish accent for <laughs> I you. appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so here is Falling Slowly. Stopped. It's just gotten better. Well, <laughs> what can you do? You put that Irish music on, and then I can't, I can't help it anymore. It's just, it is who I am now. The next movie I do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cast a character, make a character who has an Irish accent. <laughs> oh, please You're do. Please You're gonna do. be that person. <laughs> please do. I'd like it quite much. Uh, yeah, I could totally do the Irish thing into it's into the groove. That's what we're going into next. <laughs> I don't even know if this is Irish or if it's Scottish. I can't I can't tell anymore. <laughs> it is Madonna. <laughs> I know we're getting into the groove. We're desperately seeking a better accent. <laughs> anyway, so oh, I'm gonna just take this great. back to a never a normal Mary level is that Madonna we've talked about Madonna yep. being one of my favorites, but 
she is an icon, and at a young person's age that I was, I was all about Madonna mm-hmm. and listening and watching. So another artist who made a film, I think this this started Madonna's whole film career. Yep. This is the best one because she just plays herself. Yep. All the other films with Madonna, meh. Yeah. Meh. Just. Anyway, so this is Into the Groove from <laughs> Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah, I'd have to say because that is the most closely, you know, that's who Madonna was at the time with the New York and dancing. And I mean, Who's That Girl was fun, but that's a joke. Yep. (laughs) And Dick Tracy. It was Rosanna Arquette who was in Seeking, Desperately Seeking Season. Yes. You didn't like Breathless Mahoney in uh, Uh, in Dick Tracy? It was okay. How about Evita? Evita was okay. okay. Evita was okay. I think Evita was good for her because it was the first time she did something a little bit. She stretched her voice and was a different character. Yep. So. How about, uh, let's see, what's another good one? Uh, She was in Body of Lies with Willem Dafoe. Oh, I totally forgot that. That was a uh, controversial one for some people. And then, of course, uh, the Sean Penn, uh, Christopher Walken movie. Yeah. She wasn't um, in the film, but she did... uh, Live to Tell. Yeah. For the soundtrack for that. What's that one called? What's Shit. That one's called. What's your favorite Madonna? You know, I uh, I kind Film of Film cameo. Oh, Four Rooms. Oh, Four Rooms is we probably just went back to QT. Again, yeah. <laughs> um, I like Four Rooms, but one that she's really in, and people are gonna like blast me for this, but it's Swept Away, which I is like never a, saw Swept Away. She plays a. Stuck up. No, it's going to sound awful. Swept <laughs> <laughs> away. Uh, she plays a socialite that gets stranded in in the Mediterranean with a, with a uh, sailor. Okay. And uh, she uh, is. Uh, oh, yeah. She is, uh, I forgot about that. Forced. I totally forgot about it's that. Like, it's like abuse almost. Like, I, Isn't I was, that where she had Lourdes? Isn't one of those dudes her husband where she had the kid? I thought it was Guy Ritchie. 
But before Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie. Did oh, okay. I don't. I don't. I'm oh, not but sure. but Guy Ritchie. That's where she. Yeah, that's yes. where they met. Yep. Yes. But he did that I movie. It's re- that. it's actually quite. It's actually a pretty terrible movie. But I just remember thinking <laughs> to myself, like Madonna was really good in it. Like mm. as far as performance wise, like she she did yeah. a pretty decent job in that movie. Um, but yeah, the the movie is not very good. It's a a remake again as well. Ah. So. Okay. My turn, right? Yes. Yeah, my turn. Yeah. All right. So. Picture, picture Rosie Perez dancing in front of a red set. And you got the opening credits for the movie, Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee, over the song Fight yes. the Power by Public Enemy. <laughs> An important song in that movie. It plays a role in setting the tone mm-hmm. for the entire film. Uh, it's hard to find a song that fits so perfectly for a film sometimes, but yeah. I think Fight the Power oh, embodies it's... all the narrative qualities in that movie, from yeah. the boiling point, racial tension, to the message of hope, to the message of maturity, to the message of tolerance, all these different things that are going inside there. And, and Fight the Power is such a good song. I love Public Enemy. Radio Rahim. Yep. Oh, yes. Radio Rahim. <laughs> so here's Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Here are no stamp. That's true. Damn. I love that song. Elvis was a hero to me. To most, but he didn't mean shit to me. It's <laughs> perfect. There's a lot of fodder in between here that we've talked about. So, so much. Stay tuned for so the extra bonus stuff. Oh, yeah. Next there'll up. be behind the songs. Behind the songs. There'll be yes. a lot of that. Um, Not as funny this time. Not as funny. We kind of kept the cap on it a little bit this time. That is funny. Well, we kept. Thought it, it was funny. No, there was funny stuff, but it's not like manic funny <sighs> like the last time. Last Fine. time we were like. It's because you put the pressure on me this time. The be funny or die. Last time it was, we were, <laughs> we were on another well, level. Because you were talking about love, and that makes yeah, me like love, totally like, grossly uncomfortable and man. sassy. <laughs> <laughs> Surly. What's love got to do with it? Nothing. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> how can I end this? On a well, I end it with one of the well, best ways I, to end it. I know a song's coming up, so you're gonna end it perfectly. I do end it quite perfectly. Yep. Like at the end of the evening, at the end of the film, end credits and end scenes are very, very important for the way you're going to yep. exit. So. I've done this before, I've picked this artist before, and I've picked from this album and from the soundtrack before. 
We talked about uh, greatest intros mm-hmm. two two episodes ago. Yep. So for me, this is the greatest finale, one of the best finales ever. I can't think of it. Well, anyway, I think of it. <laughs> um, I chose Prince Purple Rain from Purple Rain the purple. because I just feel like it's the perfect end of the evening song. It's the perfect. I don't know what else I can say. You know, it's about love ending. And all the things you hope that you meant to someone Mm -hmm. and that you just want to see them happy. And you got to let them go. Yep. So here's Prince Purple Should just I leave did it with kind of trump rain. you on a perfect ending. That's great. I should have let you go first and then... Oh, you should have. I'm going to try, though. Music plays an important role for the filmmaker, as we said this entire time. It's a reflection of our society, an atmosphere-setting tool to evoke all different kinds of emotions. And it services the film in so many different ways because music is the voice everyone can connect with. The beginning scenes of Francis Ford Coppola's amazing film Apocalypse Now evokes emotions of fear, distress while also displaying the physical effects of war. Martin Sheen's character falls into the abyss as Jim Morrison hauntingly establishes the tone of the film to come. It's brilliant filmmaking and a brilliant filmmaking tool. Nothing else needed to be said. This is The End by The Doors from a Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse perfect. Now. It's perfect. This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands, the end, no safety or surprise, the end, I'll never look into your Can you This is the end, but not really, because we got three more. My only Monty, <laughs> the end. So we have three more songs given to us by our man in the booth, Mr. Jeremy, who is not in the booth, who is actually He's sitting actually here at the sitting table. Here. <laughs> there he is. 
is. He's he is. real. He's here. He's not just the wizard. And he picked the most perfect song <laughs> for his first pick today. He picked Goodbye Horses by Q, oh. Lazarus, and Garvey. Yeah, this is a part <laughs> where Mary runs far, far away. Let's take your shirt off. <laughs> Let's get this Let's party started. <laughs> ah! I gotta go, guys. I'll see you guys later. Here's Goodbye Horses, everybody. Woo! three-hour podcast cut yeah, down no a little kidding. bit here this would be the longest podcast that we've ever done ever ever i think we may have listened to almost every song <laughs> so uh into jeremy's next pick and he picked the pixies song from uh used prominent in the ending of the movie fight club oh good yeah call. the good song call. where is my mind it's by the pixies david. that's one of my favorites one of your favorite davids oh yeah Going into, going into our third song from Jeremy's Picks, and he uh, picked a Woody Allen movie, uh, Manhattan. Nice. Jeremy has to say something. I Go got ahead. something to say. He's got something to say. I'm a big Woody Allen fan, and the opening sequence of Manhattan is pretty awesome. It's a uh, shot, shot by shot of all different aspects of New York City, shot in black and white to George Gershwin's uh, Rhapsody in Blue, and it's pretty amazing. 
Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin over the great Manhattan, Manhattan song, movie. And I've never seen Manhattan, but mm-hmm. I have seen Fantasia, yes. which is yep. one of my favorite scenes of that. And then there's got to be a Bugs Bunny something connected to him Feels doing like it something Gershwin. Yeah. Feels like it should be. It was also in Gremlins too. Who knew that? Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. So uh, that's it, everyone. That's uh, our podcast for today. Quiet on the set is what we entitled it. I like to see that really loud. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Nice. That'll be the next Mr. Monty. one. That's the next one. <laughs> um, so as we always say here at Mixed Up with Mary and Monty, go to your record store. Yes. And get your music. They have digital sites through these record stores as well. You can go through there, get your music, listen, and uh, send us your recommendations. We have a Facebook page. You can find us at Mixed Up and Mixed Up with Mary and Monty on Facebook, and uh, we would love to hear some suggestions about uh, what you'd like us to do. Uh, Jeremy still hasn't created the email account to send me an email uh, to make oh. me feel special about something yet. So perhaps <laughs> someone out there will do that. Mom, <laughs> my brother maybe. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. My mom's still like, what's a podcast? Yeah, yeah. I think she would listen to it otherwise. But... I have to play it for my mom. Like, my mom, we're going to listen to the podcast. So, okay, okay. <laughs> Mary, anything else? Just keep listening to music. And like you said, um, compliments are always welcome. Yes. Suggestions are always welcome. I've gotten a few this week to do mm-hmm. some B-sides and then to nice. maybe also do some, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, mm-hmm. which you've already started, because apparently people really want to hear the ridiculousness in oh. between songs as well. It so. got ridiculous during that Q Lazarus song. <laughs> exit Mary. It got ridiculous. And Mary exit stage left it's while this, these awesome. two <laughs> do their <laughs> gonna be, We're just going to do the whole thing of that. <laughs> just sounds, groans, and thumps. I was really excited to do this one Meat because grass. I know how much you love. Yeah. <laughs> Meat <and> berries. That's <laughs> what was, we're eating. <laughs> Anyway, I was uh, really excited to do this one with you, Monty, because I know how much you love film. So oh, yeah. thank you for. I hope it I, I hope I uh, I uh, I accomplished. Of course. Awesome. Of course. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. I am Monty. And I am Mary. Have a good one. <laughs> and there's Captain Lou. Hey there, Mixed Up Friends. I've had a few of you ask me, Monty, what do you and Mary do when the songs are playing? Well, here's a little glimpse in a segment we like to call Behind the Songs. We're waiting for Mary um, here on the podcast, and uh, we got two more songs left, so uh, we'll, just, we'll just improv, I guess, for a few minutes. Jeremy, come, on, come, come have a seat for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, our uh, special guest, uh, the man in the booth. Hello. Mr. Jeremy, he's eat, back. I'm going to eat the blackberries. Eating some berries. Eating some blackberries. So, <laughs> tell, tell me a little something about yourself. Oh, about myself? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, do you I do, have no do, idea. Do you do any voices? I, I do some voices, <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. There are a couple voices I've been known to do. <laughs> no, I don't. There's one voice. That's, that's the only one I got. That's my favorite voice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh oh.
Uh-oh, I think Mary's coming back. So we're eating some meat and uh, some berries, and we're uh, waiting for Mary to come back. <laughs> meat and berries. <laughs> we're eating the meat and berries. <laughs> we're eating the meat and berries. And just waiting for Mary to come back. Doing some uh, do, doing some improv. <laughs> doing some improv here. And uh, I'm glad that Jeremy got to get into the mix. Did you put the headphones on and everything? No. No. After you touched your genitals with <laughs> lotion. <laughs> I never use lotion. Oh. <laughs> Inevitably, uh, this podcast has been turning very dirty <laughs> the, <laughs> between the two of you guys and your bromance. Not that I do kind of want to hear Jim's voice first, though. So, my experience through work with John Densmore has been incredible. Yeah. Like, there's a whole new... I was... The Doors double album, first album I ever bought on CD. Yeah. And then, like, meeting the man and having him sit in my car. I was just like... The best album? Uh-huh. 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 Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. Me too. That's so good. That's what you're listening to it off right now. It's the best hit. When I was a teenager, I Wait, what year were you born? 82. 82. So I was five. I didn't have any CDs yet, so. My first CD was Foreigner. Oh! Records. They're like greatest hits type deal. I got it. My mom bought me a CD player one year for Christmas, and it was, uh. Foreigner, which I didn't know the That's fuck awesome. That was. That she bought voice. me a heart CD, didn't know who the fuck that was. And a Kenny Loggins CD. That's awesome. From, nice. Live from the Redwoods. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And a, and a Moody Blues with a symphony. Oh. Yeah. London Symphony. Those are good picks. Yeah. Your mom is obviously white, I was like but eight. very good picks. <laughs> I was eight and I was a, a hugest heart fan. I love heart. <laughs> It's so good. So, I, go ahead. No, well, I was just gonna tell my Densmore story because you. Oh, guys keep are, going, keep going, yeah. Because having him in the car and him telling me about how I don't know, we were talking about politics and something, and then we were talking about something else, and he was like, you know, I was having this conversation with Jim, and we were in the car, and he just, I handed him a quarter, and he just swallowed the quarter, and I was like. Okay, wait. It was just so surreal. Mm-hmm. Like he's really kind and yeah. wonderful, and and a step away from an icon. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end, like I pick him up at the airport, and then I, you know, do the whole day and do the stuff, and then at the end of the day, he's like, eyes on the road, hands upon the wheel, and I'm like, anyway. So now it's like a whole different. Awesome. I can't believe. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just didn't listen to The Doors and Gary Newman over and over now. I'm just kidding. I, I had Gary Newman in my car on his birthday. I bought... Sorry. But I took Gary Newman through the Burger King drive-thru and bought him lunch for his birthday at Burger King. No joke, yeah. No joke. Anyway. You gotta pass them a mixed up with Mary and Monty card, see if they'll come and do a <laughs> do a podcast. Maybe. Like, we yeah. yeah, I'll I'll buy them all the fucking Burger King you wants. Don't make me pull my Burger King. Card. <laughs>
That's awesome. <laughs> I thought you'd do it out of kindness, but I'm going to have to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I've had some weird things happen.